Hello, hello, everyone. Good morning here in New York. I don't know what time it is where you are, but I'm in an amazing mood today because it's been a great week and I'm hoping to have a great week going forward. I would love it if all of you had that same great feeling mindset, which is very helpful in starting each day. So this is episode 97 of Coaching Professional Women Survivors of Abuse. Our topic today is what is the fear that has prevented you from asking for help? So let's just dive right in. I recently read about feeling hopeless, helpless, and wounded from the book I'm reading by Dr. Daniel Amen. He's a psychiatrist. And the book is The End of Mental Illness. He has a lot of books. This one is a really good one to start with. But I heard him on uh, Rachel Hollis's podcast, and he was talking about the brain and how people are looking at it in the wrong way, and that how most psychiatrists will prescribe lots of medicine for things that you go to see the doctor about. And a lot of them aren't even psychiatrists as regular doctors are prescribing medications and they're not really sure. So it could be making matters worse. It's very complicated, but it's such a good read. So you might want to read it. Daniel Amen, The End of Mental Illness. And if, if you Google him or you go on to like Amazon or look for his books, you'll see all the different books. After I read this one, I'm the next one I bought was Feel Better Fast and Make It Last by Daniel Amen. So anyway, as I was reading the book, it really got me to thinking about a lot of things. He talked about hopeless and helpless and wounded and how that can cause anxiety and depression. So Dr. Amen says that depression is a symptom with many different causes. Either having too much activity or too little activity in your brain can cause depression. And it's really interesting when you're reading the book, he has pictures, scans of people's brain, like before when they had some sort of trauma and what your brain looks like, there's like little pits and little dents in it. And then after he believes in a holistic approach where he's getting you on a healthier diet, having you do things to get better sleep, ways to exercise your brain and feed your brain and keep it really healthy. And then he does <clears throat> another scan, excuse me, and this the brain looks completely different. It looks smooth and and like healed. So it's it's just so fascinating to me. So if you had too much activity or too little activity in your brain, that can cause depression and that stems from uh, just like emotional trauma or things that have happened. And he says that he asks people, have you ever had a brain injury? And most people say, no, no, I don't have a brain injury. But sometimes when you're a child and you fall, you may have injured your brain and not realized it. So what he finds is after he does the whole um, research on you by giving you a series of questions to answer and then does this, the, it's called the SPECT scan. S-P-E-C-T, he sees that there are some brain injuries and people are just shocked to know that they had one. You may have fallen when you were a kid and hit your head really hard and you really didn't think much of it. And then that causes some brain injuries, which then cause other things. And then you go to your doctor 
and you tell him some of your symptoms and they put you on a medication. Now, if your brain activity was too low and then they give you something, say for ADHD or something, and that's going to lower your brain activity even more because they think that you're too hyperactive, it's going to make matters worse. Anyways, I'm not a psychiatrist and I'm not a doctor, so I don't know all the details of it, but it sure does lay it out pretty well in this book. So you might want to, to grab that. But he said, chronic frustration causes something called learned helplessness. Learned helplessness. This happens when stress is stacked too high and you feel that sense of loss of control. Now, you know, I'm always talking about power and control and regaining your power and control in your life. And if stress is too high, then you start to feel like you are out of control or you're losing control. And that feeling is so debilitating. You can be triggered by any reminders of feeling overwhelmed or feeling isolated or feeling powerless. And we all know that right now with the pandemic, we're all feeling that, whether you had anything going on before or not. And that could be a new experience for some of you. Some of you could be like, I never felt that before. But now all of a sudden I'm feeling powerless and overwhelmed because I'm being isolated by this pandemic. So I was chatting with somebody recently who said that she thought she had emotional trauma from her husband's illness. He became very angry when he found out that he was sick and the type of sickness he had was something that was going to just go down a really dark hole and it was non-repairable. So he started lashing out at her and the children. And over years of this, she felt that she was being abused and she was. But you tend to minimize it when you're trying to take care of someone and caregivers have so much emotional wounds and trauma in their day to day, whether you're working as a nurse or a doctor, or you're taking care of your elderly parents or somebody that's ill in your family, you know, they're lashing out at you and you're taking it all in, taking it all in and you're doing your duty, you're doing your job, you're doing what you think is right. But in the meantime, you're developing emotional wounds and that has to be processed somehow. You can't just bury it down and hope that it goes away. So when I say that I coach people, women specifically with emotional wounds, you could have an emotional wound over just about anything. So I want you to keep that in mind. There's so many things that you can develop emotional trauma around and your children will develop emotional wounds along with you. You have to keep that in mind. They're there with you, whether you think they're listening or not, they are. And if they're not hearing you talk about something, they're feeling the feelings of negative energy. I mean, let's face it, when you're in a home that's happy and your parents are loving and nurturing and everything's great, you feel great as a child or as a sibling, everything's going well, and you have a lot of joy in your life and maybe purpose in your life, and you're not worried about what's happening, and your parents aren't depressed and sad and worried about everything, and so you're not getting that sense of gloom and doom. But just think about you or the people you, or somebody you might know that's lived in that sort of a lifestyle, they start to develop that negative energy around them and they don't even realize it's happening to them. So there's the obvious things like an abusive partner 
There's childhood trauma from, gosh, so many things that could have happened to you, whether it was in your home or at school. And then there's medical trauma from illness that you or your loved one or loved ones may have been informed about or have been dealing with. So just say you go to the doctor and you're being told, you go to the doctor and you're being told, or you go to the doctor and you're with someone who's being told you have cancer or you have a disease that can't be cured, or you have something that's going to five, 10 years down the road, cause you to be in a wheelchair for the rest of your life, right? These are things that you have to deal with and it's emotionally traumatizing. It uproots your world and everything that you thought you were doing, every plan that you ever made gets derailed when you are emotionally traumatized. And I can tell you there is a huge list of other things that is listed on there uh, that's emotionally traumatizing. So those are just a few. Those are the pretty big ones, but so many things. So, but realizing that everyone's emotions affect them at different levels. So people like to say, oh, well, you're just being dramatic. You know, this isn't such a big deal. And it's really not a good idea to do that or say those things because everybody's levels are different. And you could have emotional trauma over what seems simple to someone else, but to you, it's a big deal. And I've talked before about, you know, when I lost a couple of jobs, you know, I had the same jobs for years and years and I had longevity and I had good um, reviews all the time. And then I left the corporate world and went into a couple different jobs and I kept getting let go. And to me, that was devastating, right? I mean, I had always been the breadwinner. I had been always the one who managed the money and took care of my kids. And then all of a sudden I was put in a position where, oh my gosh, I lost my job. Now I can't do this. And it was devastating to me, but there might be another person who was like, oh my God, get over it, Karen. You know, it's just a job. You'll find another one. People lose jobs all the time. So, you know, you can't minimize anybody's level of trauma. And then there's the people that have been in abusive relationships. And there might be a woman or a man who was abused for years and years, and they learned how to deal with it. And they learned how to get through it, which is really not ideal. But I mean, it's survival. And then they go on and the rest of their life, they're just surviving. And they make that part of their identity. But then there's the people who have been in an abusive relationship. And it wasn't like being beaten up every day and horrible things. It's just, you know, maybe emotionally or verbally abusive. But that's devastating to them because if they had a relatively decent childhood and their dreams and hopes were really in line with what they wanted, and then they were with someone who was verbally abusive, that's hugely traumatizing to them. But if you take the person with the verbal abuse and you stack them up next to the person who had 20 years of physical abuse, of course, it's not going to seem as bad to that person. So you cannot know what a person is suffering with. So it is not a good idea to try to judge them or, or think anything about them because you don't know. So, you know, you know, those people that never let anything bother them. And it takes a lot to upset them. Then there's those who let every little thing get them down or every little thing derails their life. And again, without a support system, 
or a coach or a process in place to manage these things, you can spiral down a dark hole pretty quickly. So I feel like the people with the trauma, the ones who manage it, the ones who are just surviving, the ones who don't have anything exciting going on other than just surviving each day, you need a coach. You need a process in place and a plan to get to your goals. What I would like to do is find out from you all, what was your emotional trauma that caused your wounds? And do you even know what it is? Think really hard back to your youth or back to a time that maybe you've, you know, forgotten about or buried away or put out of your head. I don't ever want to think about it or talk about it ever again, which is fine, but that puts you in survival mode. But what was it? Was it that you were bullied? Was it your parents? Was it in a relationship? And what is the fear now that is preventing you from asking for help? Really think about it. What is the fear? I have had in the last week, three women who have joined my Facebook group, uh, and you should join my Facebook group, Professional Women Survivors of Abuse, say that they have been fearful to speak up up until now. That, that fear has prevented them from doing certain things. So the first thing I want to say is nothing that happened to you was your fault. I cannot stress that enough. Nothing that happened to you was your fault. And if that's what your fear is, that someone's going to blame you for what happened, let's get that off the table right now. Right now. People are not going to blame you for what has happened. And there are those people who don't know how to manage their own emotions and they don't know how to manage their own thoughts. And they will say things like that to you because I know some of you are saying, oh no, Karen, no, no, they have said it to me. This is your fault. But that's them not understanding and not knowing what to say and then just saying what they think. So again, as I always say, other people's emotions and thoughts belong to them. They're just dumping them on you, right? So if you have a circle of friends that are safe and nurturing, they are not going to blame you for what happened. And you know, deep down inside, it was not your fault what happened. Also, just know that you will not be judged or blamed for exposing any of your wounds or any of your past. And in my group, Professional Women Survivors of Abuse, my private Facebook group, that's a safe space. That's a place where you can talk freely about what happened to you and know that the women in that group are going to lift you up, not tear you down. And you might be living with people right now that are not equipped to manage what happened to you, nor will anybody ever understand what happened to you from your you know, family circles or friend circles, but the women in groups like mine, and you can find them anywhere, will lift you up, not tear you down. They will understand where you're coming from and help you through your trauma, which is what I do as a coach, helping you navigate your path to your goals and your future and your success, giving you positive energy all along the way not trying to point out, well, could this be your fault? Was there something that you did? That kind of talk is not healthy. But most people, 
will not judge you. And when I say most people, I say that cautiously, but most people, they may not understand how to respond or process it, but most people won't judge you or blame you for what happened, no matter what it was. Our fears are what keep us stuck. Really, really understand that. The fear of failure, the fear of rejection, the fear of the unknown is what keeps you stuck in a space that you really don't want to be in. The fear stems from the unknown. And that in and of itself can cause anxiety, which sometimes leads to depression. Not knowing what's going to happen is what causes anxiety or anxious feelings. I like to say anxious feelings more than anxiety because anxiety is so labeling. But if you're just having an anxious moment about something that is about to happen or something that already happened, then it seems more resolvable. Not knowing what will happen just causes so much stress. What will they think? How will they view me now? How will this affect me going forward? That's the anxious feeling about being honest and talking about what happened to you. I felt like this for a long time. I was afraid to start my coaching business with the niche of survivors. I thought that would mean I would have to expose that I'm a survivor and possibly put me behind the eight ball or that I would seem less credible. Oh, well, she's a survivor, so she couldn't possibly know anything. She's damaged or, you know, she's not a professional. But the opposite was true. People admired me and my bravery and my courage for not only being honest with them, and myself, but for using my past to help others, which then gave me purpose in life. That purpose that I always talk about, you needing to have purpose in your life, that is so healing and it's so freeing. So try not to be afraid to talk about your past, but you don't have to talk about it every day so that people get tired of hearing about it. But just knowing, hey, I'm a survivor and this is what happened and this is how I came to be doing what I'm doing or this is what I'm doing now or this is why I've changed what I'm doing. You know, sometimes our family holds us back. Well, you know, maybe you needed to move a little farther away from the people that were pulling you back and keeping you down. And so you'll say, well, you know, I'm a survivor and I made a decision in my life. I set up some boundaries and now I'm living my life on purpose and I have purpose and I'm happy. And this is why I did that. So just explaining it in that way, but not talking about it so much that people are like, oh, I don't want to hang around with her because all she does is talk about her past. There is a difference. But you know how when you're chatting with friends and you are basically venting, you do feel better after you get things off your chest, right? It's very therapeutic to get things off your chest, but it's like a weight that's been lifted and you feel so much better. But the only problem is that friends or family may not give you the responses you want, or they may give you responses that serve them, not you. So that's why having a life coach is a much better solution because a life coach will be by your side like a friend helping and guiding you toward your result with no bias or no past familiarity with you, 
right? No judging you and now no judgment statements like you've always done this before. You tried this last time. And so you won't have that with a coach and you, you know, those people who know things about you are going to use those things to their advantage. And they might be saying, no, no, I'm just trying to help. I've seen her fail before and I just don't want to see her get hurt again. I'm sure you've all heard people say that. And that's not helping you either. Now, I'm very excited to tell you all that with the help of some incredible women, I am starting a movement a movement to help women survivors regain their power and control. I want women to realize that they don't have to live in this perpetual state of lack and hopeless, helpless mindset. This thought that I'm wounded, therefore I cannot succeed. We need to wipe that off the planet. I was there. I felt all of those feelings, but damn it, I got so sick of it and I made some serious positive changes in my life. I took charge and dug my heels in as to what I would and would not allow into my life, my circle or my boundary that I set up for myself. I got serious about it. So I'm really excited about this movement because I really want to get people survivors regaining their power and control. Oh, it's challenging. Trust me. Nobody is saying that it's easy, but which is better sitting in despair every day or doing the hard work to make your life better and to make it more about your needs and less about everybody else's needs. That is what is so challenging. We all know that as women, we tend to do this. We put everybody first ahead of ourselves. But you know what? Sometimes that's a survival mechanism where we hide behind the fact that we want to take care of everybody else so we don't have to look at ourselves and look at our needs and really put ourselves first. It's just another survival technique that we use to stay hidden. And I know you all know this deep down inside. I don't want to look at myself. I don't want to look at my past. I don't want to look at all the work I have to do to make myself better. So I am going to put everybody first. You know, you can be saying, well, I'm going to take care of my kids. My kids come first. And hardly anyone's going to argue with you on that. But that's keeping you hidden behind that. Then your kids get older and they're on their own. Then you look to something else. Well, I have to really, you know, focus on my work and all of this. And then maybe your parents need your help. So now you've got them to hide behind. Well, I have to take care of my parents now. So they're getting older and they need me. And once again, you're not looking at yourself. I want to bust the chains that bind us and tether us to our past and to the identity that we have created for ourselves by what other people may think or say. We are stronger than that. We are powerful. We are capable of so much more than we give ourselves credit for. If not only to live the life that you deserve, but to show other women and young women that they have always had their power and control, but just didn't realize it. Now, I mean, I've seen some young women who are still dealing with 
abusive relationships, which really just blows my mind that they are still being abused by men. Let's come together as one unified force and stand strong while lifting each other up. That is really the key. So if you're interested in being part of this movement, join my Facebook group first. It's called Professional Women Survivors of Abuse and follow along with the rest of us. Me and the women that I have enlisted to help get this movement going are going to be populating some information for everybody in the group so that you can learn some things and hear some survivor stories with powerful solutions and real life options for you while living in your day to day, which is what seems to be happening with a lot of women where they're like, my day to day is being affected by triggers and past and things that I don't think that I can control. And we want to be there to help you and lift you up. So stay tuned for my movement. And I want you all to join in and be part of it. Be part of something bigger. Be part of something that's going to really make change and create some positive momentum. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today. And please spread the word about this movement and that I'm trying to create and spread the word about my podcast. I really would like more people to get engaged in this podcast. Um, and if you just click subscribe, it doesn't cost anything. You just click subscribe and you'll just be notified every time a new episode comes up. And I'd really love it if you'd leave, um, they ha there's a spot where you can just leave uh, remarks or a review. That would be so awesome. And I'd love to have more information from you all about what you'd like me to talk about. All right. Take care, everybody. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you.